As parents, we often have gut feelings when something just isn't right. This can be especially true in co-parenting arrangements where one parent is struggling with addiction. If you're co-parenting with an ex-spouse who abuses alcohol, Soberlink can help. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking during parenting time. The system's real-time alerts, facial recognition, and tamper detection ensure the integrity of each test so you can be confident your kids are with a sober parent. With Soberlink, judges rest assured that your child is safe, attorneys get court-admissible evidence of sobriety, and your kids are able to maintain healthy relationships with both parents. To sign up and get $50 off your device, visit www.soberlink.com empowered. Welcome to the Her Empowered Divorce Podcast. I'm your host, Beverly Price. With my 30 years of divorce coaching experience, I fully prepare you for the critical decisions that will impact you for the rest of your life. Through this podcast, you'll gain valuable insights on all aspects of divorce, from the logistical and financial to the emotional and legal. With expert guests, practical advice, actionable tips, and inspiring conversations, we'll explore how to master your divorce and emerge stronger on the other side. You don't have to face this alone. Let's start this journey together and create a better future. So without further ado, let's get started with the show. Hi, beautiful. I'm so glad you're here today. It's my pleasure to introduce you to Tracy Conan. Tracy is a forensic accountant and fraud coach. Boy, that's interesting. One of the biggest fears in divorce is around money and finances. So why use a forensic accountant and fraud coach? Why? Because knowing your financial situation addresses one of the biggest fears in divorce. Knowledge is power. Tracy's going to talk today about finding hidden money in your divorce, something that everybody is concerned about. Hi, Tracy. How you doing? Hi, Beverly. I'm fabulous. How are you? Good. Do you want to tell the audience a little bit about you? Oh, of course. I've been a forensic accountant for more than 25 years, and that just means I investigate fraud. I find money. And I work in corporate cases where executives are stealing money, but I also work in personal matters like divorces where there is a concern that there is hidden money or where there's a really complicated financial situation and we need to know where the money is, how much there is, what money has been spent on, and we kind of need to you know, untangle all of that. Those are the kinds of things that I get involved in. And I love that you referred to me as a fraud coach for divorce because that's exactly what I think of myself as. People have concerns about the money in divorce. They're worried that money is being hidden or has been spent on inappropriate things. And I help them figure out what's been going on. That is amazing. And again, I go back to knowledge is power. And I've seen so yes. many people go in and sign a settlement without having an accurate financial picture. And I just don't understand why they would do that. 
Well, I always tell people, even if you're not suspicious, maybe you think that your spouse has, has is would never hide anything. I mean, God bless you for being trusting and, and believing in your spouse, soon to be ex-spouse. But even if you don't think there's anything wrong, you still need all the facts before you sign that settlement agreement. So I do see, just like you, people who are agreeing to settlements, they're saying, well, he has a couple of accounts and we haven't seen any of the statements for it, but I don't think that there's much there to worry about, so I'm gonna go ahead and settle because we want this to be over with. And I certainly understand the desire to have the divorce over with. It's an emotional process, it's difficult, but you only get one chance to get the right settlement. There is nothing wrong with standing your ground and saying, I am happy to make a swift decision about finalizing this divorce once I have all the information. Exactly. And the emotions are the piece I really deal with because I think the biggest mistake you can make in divorce is to let your emotions hijack you throw up your hands and say, okay, take it. Right. I just want it to be done is what I hear a lot of people say. And there will become a point in your divorce where you should say, I want to be done. And you you think, okay, there's a couple more things we could fight about, but those don't really matter. We've gotten through the bulk of it. There will be a point where you want to settle it. But I see women in particular doing that too early. And I go back to the concept that You might trust your spouse. You might think, oh, those couple of accounts that I don't have the statements for aren't a big deal. I always say, ask yourself, if they weren't a big deal, then why isn't he just disclosing the statements to you? Why is he withholding those statements? If there's nothing to worry about, he should say, you know what? I'd like you to understand what's going on. Here are all the statements. I think the other warning sign I see is when the spouse tries to rush them into agreement without attorneys. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Let's save money. We don't need attorneys. Right. Um, The rushing part is a problem. If they're trying to dissuade you from getting an attorney, I find that to be a problem. It is true that attorneys are expensive. And if we can find a way to get this divorce done with, with saving some money, great but you need someone on your side. Now, I'm a huge fan of divorce coaches. So I always say, I I just got yes yesterday. What's the first step people should take? And I said, a divorce coach. Before you Mm -hmm. even hire your attorney, get a divorce coach, someone who knows the divorce process, someone who can help you evaluate things objectively. Um, And so you can probably save money on attorney's fees, but that person is at least in your corner. If you're starting to talk with your spouse about, could we do this without attorneys? At least you've got someone on your side. Thank you. Absolutely. So let's go back to this hidden kind of suspicion, if you will. So what are the most common red flags that you can think about? And how would somebody know if these red flags are serious? Red flags of fraud are warning signs that something is going wrong with the money. So they are not proof of fraud just yet. They are clues to you that maybe something has gone awry. There is a whole laundry list of red flags, but I like to talk about some of the most common ones that we see in divorce situations. The first one being a change in behavior on the part of your spouse. Now Mm -hmm. that could be, you know, a change in their schedule, their whereabouts, their willingness for you to know where they are and what they're doing. 
you know, sometimes it's a change where they're hiding their phone a lot. That to me always makes me a little suspicious of a potential affair. Affairs can be tied to financial infidelity as well. Now, when there are changes in behavior related to money, that's when on the financial side, I get really concerned. So they're changing how they're spending money, how they're paying for things. Maybe before they always used a debit card and now they're always using cash so that you don't know what they're spending money on. Maybe it's that they're, yeah, Yeah. maybe it's that they're um, not giving you access to financial information or they're not giving you access to money. Those kinds of red flags, super concerning to me. Absolutely. And I think um, you add on top of that, that women in particular, sometimes are in the position where they have no clue about the family's finances, that they've let the husband run everything. Sometimes I think because we were taught long ago that men were better better with money than we are, that we don't know math, all of those things. So I think that drives a lot of it as well. One of the things that I see in divorce is a level of shame on the part of women. If they haven't been involved with the money, they feel ashamed. Why wasn't I paying attention? I should have been looking. Oh gosh, I'm so stupid for not not paying attention to what was going on. And part of my mission in working with women who are getting divorced is to help get rid of that shame. There are lots of women just like you out there who said, you know what? My husband wants to handle the money. I trust him. Our needs are met. I'm okay with him handling the money. They're not thinking at that point about the divorce. Of course I advocate at least having an understanding of the money and looking at statements on a monthly basis. But there are so many women who don't. And so it's nothing to be ashamed of because there's lots of women who've handled it exactly like you have. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So if someone is suspicious, where do you do you find that the most common places spouses actually hide money? Okay, can I go back just one second? Because I didn't sure. answer a question you previously asked. Because you sure. asked, how does someone know if these red flags are something that they should really be worried about or sure. not? Okay. And, right, people who don't work in fraud like I do don't necessarily think about, is this a huge red flag? Is it not? And what I always tell people is that if you see one concerning sign, I probably am not too worried. It could be a one-off. It could just be an unusual situation. But when you're seeing multiple signs, behavior that's not making sense, you know, also controlling behavior over the money or spending in an unusual way, when you have multiple signs that build up, that's when I start to really get concerned. But... I know that it's still hard to know, can I look objectively at my situation and know if I'm overreacting, if I'm minimizing? So I put together a red flag assessment for people to take. It is a little quiz that takes three or four minutes, answer some questions about your financial situation, about the signs you may have seen, and I'll return to you a result of, are you at low risk of fraud all the way up to extreme risk of fraud in your marriage? So then if we step back from that, where are some of the most common places that money's hidden? It is as simple as they open a bank account in their own name without you on it. And they don't tell you that they've got the bank account. Yes. Very common to have a secret credit card. It's very common that they have paychecks 
that they're hiding, not depositing in your joint account. Maybe part of the paycheck never makes it to your joint account. Maybe an entire paycheck, like a bonus check or something like that, never makes it to the account. These are probably the most common ways that it happens. Gotcha. And also, I've always heard that when, when a spouse owns their own business, that can be a, an issue where things can happen. So many things can happen with that business because I think of it like its own little ecosystem. You probably are not privy to the bank statements or any of the finances in that business. The only thing you know is what they tell you on a daily basis. Right, and they right. can shuffle money around in that business so easily. They can transfer money out of that business to a secret account that you don't know about. And it's really, really hard. But the good news is that during a divorce, you're going to get access to that financial information. So if there is a business involved that your spouse owns, once we get into that divorce process, your attorney can send subpoenas to the bank and get those bank statements. You can gotcha. get legal access to the tax returns for that business. You can get legal access to the accounting records for the business. That's a little more complicated to look at. That's probably a time when you may need to consider someone like a forensic accountant to help you but okay. you certainly can get access to the records. Many of us have been taught to spend all our time, money, and energy investing in husbands, children, community, church, family, and others, but not ourselves. Divorce is not the time to do this. I'm Beverly Price, the empowering divorce coach who guides you on your journey before, during, and after. The next steps you will take set the stage for your entire divorce and life afterward. I help you prepare fully for what is to come, understand and navigate the process, come to terms with your emotions, avoid costly mistakes, and create an empowered life after. With the right support and guidance, you can move through the process with knowledge, strength, and confidence. Schedule a free consultation with me at HerEmpoweredDivorce.com. Let's journey to the other side of divorce together. And now let's get back to the show. So who really needs a forensic accountant and how much does it cost? Forensic accountants are expensive. And so I say that their services are really most appropriate in the more complicated cases. So when we have very high earners or people with higher asset balances or assets that are a little more complicated, like there is a business involved, there are a number of real estate holdings, we have several investment accounts. When there are those kinds of things involved, there's probably a lot of money transfers, there's more complicated things going on. That's when someone like me would get involved on a one-to-one -one basis to go through um, the finances. And I always say that forensic accountants probably start at around $10,000 to work on okay. your case and can go up from there. So when I'm talking to people who think maybe forensic accounting is an option for them, we talk about how much money is at stake what right. we think we might find and whether it makes sense to hire someone like me. There are plenty of times where I'm talking with a potential client and I get the lay of the land and I end up saying, you know, I'd love to help you, but I don't think it's worth your while to spend the money on me. You know, if you find some additional information such as this, this or this, maybe we should reconsider it. But right now it seems like it's not going to be worth your money to hire me. 
And you created the divorce money guide just for those situations. Isn't that correct? I did. So about a year and a half ago, I was frustrated because I was getting calls from women who were asking for help in their divorces, but who didn't either have the resources to hire a forensic accountant or they didn't have enough money at stake to make it worthwhile for them to spend 10, 15, $20,000. But gotcha. there was nothing out there for them. What are they to do? They would, you know, their attorney says, go hire a forensic accountant. And if they say, well, I can't afford one, the attorney typically probably says, well, then there's really nothing we can do to look into your concerns about the money. So I made the divorce money guide so I could show men and women, because it can be used by either, but I speak mostly to women, uh, show them what are the most common ways that money is hidden in the average divorce, and then how are you, as a person without any special accounting or number skills, going to find it? Because there are typical methods that are used. There's probably about 10 to 12 ways that people typically hide money in their marriages, okay. and there's really easy ways to find it. So earlier we talked about Maybe there's a secret bank account that you never knew about. Well, guess what? In most cases, to get money into that secret bank account, your husband probably transferred money from your joint checking account right into that secret account. And so we're going to gotcha. see that if we look at the bank statements for your joint account. Gotcha. Okay. So if we step back to the very beginning of the process, What's the first thing someone should do when they're thinking about filing for divorce? Gather information. Information is your friend. I think you started off by saying knowledge is power and it sure is. So if you are con even considering divorce, what I tell people is any of the bank, credit card, investment accounts that your name is on, you have legal access to that information. I want you to go online and download all the statements you can download. If for some reason you don't have online access, get it. If you can't get it for some reason, if your bank says, oh, sorry, there's already a login for your account and you know your husband has that login and we can't give you a login, then go to the bank branch with identification and ask them right then and there for statements from your account. But get those account statements for all of those accounts before you say anything to your spouse. Because what I've Yay, seen sometimes, yes. Mm -hmm. yes, is when you start expressing suspicions or you bring up a divorce talk, suddenly documents are disappearing or your mm -hmm. name is suddenly off an account and now you right. can't get access to those records. So that's the first thing is start gathering financial information. If there are tax returns at your home, in a desk drawer or a filing drawer, take those tax returns, go make copies of them, put the copies in a safe place outside your home, and then return the original tax returns right to that drawer where you found them. Now, a question about that. Let's say you have a CPA that does your taxes and they have an online system, but for some reason you can only get the most current two years and you want to go back further if you call the cpa who worked with you and your husband are they going to tell your husband that you're looking for tax returns or do they they're probably have yeah they're probably confidentiality 
Yeah. They'll probably tell him what I see more often is that CPA won't even talk to the spouse because that's not who they've worked with. Or the husband has said, don't give her information. Here's the thing. And here's the question I thought you were going to ask. I thought you were going to ask what happens when that CPA says, I'm not giving you anything or doesn't return the phone calls. Okay. One of the situations I deal with a lot in divorce cases is with a spouse holding tax returns hostage and not letting you have them and not turning them over. And here's the answer. You can go directly to the IRS and get those tax returns yourself. If your name is on a tax return, you have a right to get that. Now, most attorneys are going to have you fill out a form that they're going to send in and it's going to take some time. Oh, it'll be a couple months before we get something back. Nope. Let's short circuit all of that. You can go online and get it all yourself. All you have to do is verify your identity with the IRS and then you can get all of the stuff online immediately and you can download the last three to five years and i say three to five because it kind of depends on when certain things were filed what you can get but in the divorce money guide i walk people through i have a tutorial where i do a screen share and i show you exactly where to click what to get how to download it and i just have people get all of that information download everything that's available today on the irs website put it in a safe place Oh, that's so important. I tell all my clients, we spend a lot of time prepping for the conversation with the spouse about divorce. So I tell them they must gather all their information before that conversation happens. So I'm so in sync with you there. I love it. I love it. Yeah. So um, is it possible to find, let's say, hidden bank accounts? And I think everybody thinks about hidden being Swiss bank accounts or Cayman Islands bank accounts. What if, what if your spouse is hiding things more locally? I think you've talked a little bit about, you know, there's a credit card, there's an other account, but what if you don't see anything? What if, for example, they have the statements going to their office? Right. In most cases, what we will find is some evidence somewhere of that other bank account. In many, many cases, it is as simple as a transfer to that account. So what I tell people to look for, if you're looking through your bank statements line by line and you see a transfer to a bank that you've not done business with before, let's say you're banking at Chase and you see on here transfer to Wells Fargo account number and you didn't know we had a Wells Fargo account, that's your clue if you don't find anything that direct how are we going to find out about another bank account typically it is circumstantial have you had any mail come to your house from a bank that you thought you didn't do business with have you had you know we all get credit card offers in the mail right and that's fine but have you seen repeated credit card offers from a particular bank over and over and over. When you're getting a higher activity of those credit card offers, it suggests that someone in your household is doing business with that bank and that's why they keep sending repeated offers. Mm -hmm. Such an important thing, yeah. Yes, I ask people to think about, has your spouse ever talked about another bank? Can you think of a bank that you might have applied for a home mortgage at? Is there anything that suggests um, he's got a friend who is a banker at such and such bank? If you can come up with two or three banks that you have reason to believe there might have been business done with them, 
your attorney can send subpoenas to those banks asking, are there any accounts in your spouse's name? Now, of course, we can't send a subpoena to every bank under the sun. There's thousands of them. Sure, sure. But if we can isolate a handful of them, we certainly can send subpoenas to them. And if there's no account there, the bank will get back on the subpoena and say, we find no account records for anything under those names. Wow, that is so insightful. And you didn't even have to be a forensic accountant to do it, right? Right, right. But I think that speaks to the benefit so much of your guidance in the Divorce Money Guide and how you help people that that can't really afford a forensic accountant take ownership and take power. And I think that one of the things I stress is empowerment. And I think taking on this, um, educating yourself, going through the process is a true sign of power, owning your own power. Absolutely. And the money issues are overwhelming. They seem complicated and insurmountable, but I'm here to help people understand that it doesn't have to be complicated. If you get into the divorce money guide and you are going through your finances, following my steps, and you do find, oh my gosh, there is a really complicated situation, you can always hire a forensic accountant. There's nothing saying you can't do that if you find you need it. But like I said, for most people, there are some pretty typical ways and there are that t- pretty typical ways that money is hidden and there are non-technical methods for finding out about that hidden money. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you know, I said at the beginning, money and finances are the biggest concern for people in divorce and one of the biggest um expenditures is going to be for your attorney. So how can you save money with your attorney? I always say being prepared to work with your attorney is one of the best ways to save money. You do not want your attorney um, spending time answering 20 emails from you. So if you have questions, I always say group those questions. If you're having a meeting with your attorney, Go with a list of questions questions. or topics that you want to talk about. So being prepared and being strategic with the time is one way. The other way is don't have your attorney do everything under the sun. So going back to what I said in the very, very beginning, you would be better off working with a divorce coach. It's more cost effective. Um, and it's, it's probably going to help you get a better result on those things that the divorce coach has expertise in too many people rely on their divorce attorney for everything be my counselor be my accountant in the divorce go through my statements for me one of the most typical things that i see when it comes to the money is that people are paying their attorneys to go through bank statements and organize them and look at the transactions and organize the tax returns don't spend money on that it's far too expensive you can do this yourself for free. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, do you work with a certified divorce financial analyst or do you do that piece in addition to your forensic accounting? It depends what the clients want. When we're talking about strategies around settlement and things like that and looking at how much money do I need to continue my lifestyle, That really is best for a CDFA. 
When okay. we're talking about, we want to understand what has happened to the money and where it is now, that's more appropriate for me. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, when I'm uh, coaching, the, the women you make me think about are those women that don't aren't working or aren't the primary wage earner. Um, what advice do you have for them in terms of protecting themselves, being informed, that kind of thing? A lot of the women that I work with were not the primary wage earner. Many of them gave up their careers to stay home yes. and raise kids. And so if they're getting divorced, they're in a the position where they have to figure out, how am I going to make a living? How am I going to make right. ends meet? If you have the ability and have a little bit of time on your side, I always say that the two best things you can do are have a bank account that's in your name only that has some money on it. Because okay. that account, nobody can close it without your permission. No one can withdraw the money without your permission. So that money is going to be able to be spent by you and only you. And gotcha. the second is to have a credit card in your name only. Again, same reasoning. No one can close it without your permission. No one can put charges on that credit card without your permission. What I see so often for stay-at-home moms is that they have a credit card or two that they have jointly with their spouse. And right. while that's been great throughout the marriage, when divorce comes, I've seen those accounts get closed or her name being taken off of it. And right. so if you haven't worked, you might say, well, how am I going to get a credit card? Ha ha, you're going to get a credit card based on your household income, which includes your spouse's income. So gotcha. go get that credit card in your name alone. You don't have to use it right now, but it is there for safekeeping. Also helps your credit rating, right? If you've got credit yes. in your own name. Yeah. Certainly. Um, you know, when you first get the credit card, you might see your credit score drop a little bit because you have opened a new account. But over time, it will actually strengthen your credit score if you keep that credit card currently paid off and things like that. So, Tracy, you have had so much valuable information. A question I like to ask all my guests is, what are three actionable takeaways you can give women that will help them on this financial journey? The first thing I want them to do is establish an email address, a brand new email address, oh, one yes. that their spouse doesn't know about that couldn't be logged in on an old computer or tablet or phone. Brand new email address that is completely secure. You'll want that for communications with your attorney, your divorce coach, your forensic accountant, with your family and friends. No right. fear there that anyone accidentally has access to it. The gotcha. second thing they can do is to start gather those account statements. Gather those, gather the tax returns, any kind of information. If you think it might be important at some point in the divorce, gather it and secure it. And then third is find a support system, whether yeah. that is with a divorce coach whether it's with a trusted friend or family member who is willing to be an ear to you, that's really important because divorce can be very isolating. And so to have someone that you can bounce ideas off of, maybe get some emotional support from is really critical. So those are such great points. If you think back to all the divorces you've worked on, what would you say is one change women can make 
to help their journey and how would you advise them? If they are still actively in a marriage, what they could do to change this journey is to become more informed about the money. You don't have to take Absolutely. over the bill paying, but if you can at least get some involvement with the money, that would be really helpful. And I always advise people the easiest way to ask for that involvement is to say to your husband, I'm really concerned. What if something happened to you? If you ended up in a coma or if you passed away unexpectedly, I don't know where our money is and I'd like to start learning about that. So that's one way to do that. Perfect. Yes. If you are actively in the divorce process, one thing that you can do to change the journey is to make sure that you're working with the right professionals. I yes. like to talk about a divorce team, and I know that that sounds expensive, but I promise you with the right team, it's actually going to save you money in the long run. Oh, I totally, absolutely um, agree with you on that. Now, who would you suggest as members of that team? I te tend to say divorce coach, uh, certified divorce financial analyst, and legal professional as your core team and then bring in other experts as your situation needs. But what, what are your thoughts on that? I use different words, but I get to the same spot as you. Divorce okay. coach, financial person, attorney as your core team. And then you can think about, do I need a therapist? Do I need a life coach? Do I need um, a vocational mediator. expert? So, yeah, a mediator. Yeah. There are all sorts of different professionals who can provide specialized services. But if you have those three core, the divorce coach, the financial person, and the divorce attorney, you are set up for success. That is great, great advice. We're on the so same page. Oh, absolutely. I love it. I love it. Um, so I know everybody's going to want to know more information. We'll have a lot of this in the show notes, but I think they want to know more about the Divorce Money Guide and more about you. So how can they find you? They can find me by going to my website, which is fraudcoach.com. And I have a special page just for your listeners. If they go to fraudcoach.com forward slash Beverly, there's a page Ooh. there set up for them. Ooh, yes, a special page. On that page, what I have for them is some of the things that we've talked about. I talked about the red flag assessment. So if someone is wondering if the signs that they've seen should should be worrisome, they can take that red flag assessment. My new book that came out a couple months ago is there, Find Me the Money. Ooh. So if someone's looking for a low cost resource to help them figure out where the money is, and then there also is the divorce money guide there. So fraudcoach.com slash Beverly. Oh, that's beautiful. Is there anything else that I've forgotten to ask or anything else that you'd like to share? You know, I think we've covered a lot of ground. I just want to say that I know how difficult the divorce process is. I've been through this with hundreds of women who are getting divorced. And, you know, I talk very matter-of-factly about the numbers and about accomplishing things and you just do this, this, and this. I don't ever want to minimize how emotionally difficult it is and how there are going to be days where you just can't even think about trying to get a bank statement. I get it. But yeah. if anything that we talked about today resonated with you, if you have concerns about the money, I'd love for you to check out my site. Reach out to me. You can send me an email, 
through the site. If you see me on social media, you can direct message me there. Happy to try to help you any way I can. Oh, thank you so much. And thank you so much for being my guest today. I've loved this episode. I've learned so much and your contribution can help so many women. It was great being here. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. And to my audience, thank you for being with Tracy and me on this episode of Her Empowered Divorce. All of Tracy's information will be available in the show notes along with mine. And this and all our episodes can be found at herempowereddivorce.com on the podcast page or on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also watch the video version on our YouTube channel, Her Empowered Divorce. Please share our story with your friends so we can reach out and help as many women as possible. Many times a woman that's contemplating divorce doesn't want anybody to know, but you can be the friend that helps her in her process. Join me for our next episode where I'll be diving deeper into what other professionals can share to help you on your separation and divorce journey. And thank you for joining me today and stay empowered. Thank you for listening to the Her Empowered Divorce Podcast. Be sure to check out my other episodes of this podcast at herempowereddivorce.com on the podcast page or wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe and leave us a review. This will help me reach out to help more women so they don't feel so alone. And share this with your friends. With the right support and guidance, you can move through the process with knowledge, skills, and confidence and on to a time of growth and empowerment. If you're interested in learning more, schedule a free consultation with me at herempowereddivorce.com. I appreciate your support. Until next time, take care and stay empowered.